Welcome to Rise and Shine, the podcast dedicated to women in home building who are ready to rise professionally and shine personally. I am your host, Abby Cornelius, and I am thrilled to embark on this empowering journey with you. Together, we're going to dive into the world of leadership, sales, mindset, results, and corporate climbing, all tailored to the unique experiences of women in this industry. Whether you're a seasoned pro or you're just starting out, Rise and Shine is here to provide you with actionable insights, inspiring stories, and expert advice to propel you forward in your career and illuminate your personal growth. So if you're ready to break some barriers, conquer challenges, and redefine success on your own terms, you are in the right place. It's time to rise, it's time to shine, and it all starts right here. Let's get started. I have a local organization within Charlotte called She Built This City. It's a nonprofit that's dedicated to helping women enter the construction force. And I'm so excited today that I have Abby Ring. She is one of their lead trades instructors as a guest today. She is going to share her unique background, what got her into this great work, and how she's helping other women enter the industry today. So let's get started. So welcome, Abby. So happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Abby. Yeah, this will get confusing. So (laughs) I just want to, I just want to start off by, uh, first of all, thanking you. You know, I just, I do these random LinkedIn outreaches, everybody. And every once in a while people respond and they're happy and engaged to chat. And Abby was one of those folks. I have heard of the, she, of she built the city and the work they're doing here in um, my hometown of Charlotte and Abby works with them. And so I was so excited to kind of pick her brain, but I wanted to pick her brain beyond the work that she's doing today and really get into like, how did you get here? So let's start with that. Like, how did you even get into construction in the first place? Yeah. So I've been in construction for about seven years now, and I originally had a background in public health education and promotion. And then I got into working retail management for quite a while and just really got burned out on hours and consistent schedules and just really not being fulfilled with what I was doing and Hurricane Harvey hit and I did a quick Google search on how I could help and I found a nonprofit, All Hands and Hearts, that does disaster relief and after all types of natural disasters and they said we'll take anybody skilled or unskilled come learn and Within the first day that I arrived and worked on a homeowner's house, Miss Jackson, she had dementia and she was living with her daughter after the storm and her daughter would have to bring her back to the house daily because she would be upset that she couldn't go home. She's like, why am I here? Because she had no memory that Hurricane Harvey even happened. So like she literally had to take her back to the house to show her the damage to let her know why she couldn't be there. And on top of that, afterwards, she, I noticed when she was walking through the house, she said that she had, the daughter was saying she has mobility issues and she had a large threshold at the door. And my dad always, he's had both hips done, a titanium rod in his leg and has just always built things around the house. Like he needed his hip replaced. My dad built a ramp so he could get in and out after his surgery, even though his hip was already perfect. And so I called my dad immediately. I was like, hey, what's the measurements? And how did you build that little ramp that goes inside from outside? And so I literally was able to take something that I saw my dad do and build. But then it also just gave me such a bigger perspective and how my dad was able to do that. I'm like, you did all this by yourself. Like, this is insane. Pretty incredible, and right? Pretty incredible. Yes. <laughs> and so 
honestly, being able to help people in ways that I've seen my dad need help and that my dad's just taken the initiative and has done. And he's had like my grandfather's and my brother's help him along the way as well. But it was just really cool to be able to correlate those things. And just the first time I used a miter saw was amazing. <laughs> and also same project, the framer installed pocket doors there and didn't nail in the nails all the way. And the two guys I was working with, their arms were too wide to fit through the pocket door. So like I had my arm and my little pry bar trying to like tap the nail in so the door would slide all the way in so we didn't have to cut the drywall out in order to get the pocket door to function. So those little things, I'm like, this is so fun. And just realizing you're always thinking, like it's always something new, whether you're building new houses or repairing houses, like there's so much critical thinking and you're just always so busy. And after I realized that this could be my job, I was like, I'm never, ever, ever going back to retail or <laughs> any of that and continued through <clears throat> the nonprofit world. And I stayed with all hands and hearts for quite a while. And a lot of my coworkers previously had worked for Habitat or did AmeriCorps and NCCC. And they're like, if you really, really, really want to know how to build, do a year of new home with Habitat. And so I looked into different habitats and Habitat Charlotte at the time was the fifth largest um, affiliate in the nation for most family served, um, the most unique programming. And also they were the founders of the Women's Build, which that is another reason why I was like, like, that's amazing. And so I originally applied to come to Charlotte and do new home. And after talking with their programming manager, I ended up back in critical home repair and (laughs) did a year and a half with their critical home repair program. And then I did do a year of new home the following year with them and just the ins and outs that I was able to learn and just really get that understanding. And I think nonprofits have given me a very unique perspective to be able to really say, like, if anyone wants to do it, I promise you, anyone can be a builder. It's just, do you really want to? And just seeing all the volunteers come through, whether it was people from Bank of America or church partners or whatever it might be, but seeing these people so out of their element and being able to build or repair these homes, just really, I was like, anyone can do this. Like, and when you get to, the specialty trades, whether it's electrical, plumbing, HVAC, you know, we're talking to our trades and they're like, oh yeah, we're going to be out three months because we're so delayed. We don't have enough people in the skilled trade industry. And I'm like, what do you mean? We have all these people that are so skilled, but why aren't they really in the skilled trades? They're working at a bank or they're working at the churches or whatever it might be. And it's like, they really love those jobs and they love the times that they come out and volunteer and do that. But like, if you love it so much, make it your career, you know? Yeah. And so I really love the fact that she built the city's main mission is to encourage people to get into the skilled trade industry because so many people didn't know that it was even possible for them. They didn't know it was a career for them. And I mean, even growing up, like, I never, I mean, my dad has added additions to our house. He's built his little 
greenhouses and all that, but like I never really was that involved in the process. And now wait, real quick, did your dad do that just like for fun and on the side, or does he have a background in construction or he's um, a fancy person? So he did do construction prior to me being born, but since I was born, he's been disabled and okay. always a stay-at-home dad. So that was the things that he did in yeah. his spare time. His yeah. housekeeping was adding to the house and <laughs> I love it. gardening and yeah. still cleaning and all those other things too, but he was always making sure there was additional projects as well. Wonderful. So he had an experience in it at least right so he yeah. he had a he had a spark earlier in life to kind of get onto those projects so he did that with you growing up you're observing not necessarily doing cuz you're a kid right yep <laughs> and then all of a sudden you know disaster happens hurricane strikes you get super interested in how you can help and so it sounds like construction for you is almost like an active service though it's not yes it is tactile and you know you get to use all your problem solving skills and all that, but it sounded like it started out of like a heart of helping and serving others. Is that right? Yes. And I still think to this day, and I think that's where the different jobs and roles, I think I've really excelled in is because I've always followed companies that I knew that they were passionate about serving their clients as well. So even when I transitioned out of the nonprofit world for a second, that was one of like my biggest focuses that they were customer based and customer focused. Because you did work for a home builder for a while, right? Yes, I worked for a production. I worked for Coulter Homes um, with their 55 and older communities. And then I worked with Allaire Homes doing high end custom remodeling. Wonderful. So how do you think, and maybe this is a loaded question. So if you need time to process, (laughs) feel free, because this was not part of uh, the plan. But what do you think the difference is for you in terms of working for nonprofit or working for profit? Do you feel like there's a difference or do you feel like your heart's in the same place no matter what? Or are you drawn to one over the other? Just out of curiosity, everybody's going to have their own preferences. Yeah, I think that honestly, it doesn't matter. It just really matters on management and what their mission and purpose is like if you have a good team behind you and you know that you are all on the same track surveying for the same purpose like that is what I really really love to get on board with good so it's like about alignment um I had a podcast episode recently where I was talking about how millennials myself being one of them and I'm I'm an old millennial Abby (laughs) but I am a millennial and how like I feel like we really want that we want alignment with the companies that we're working for that they have shared values and missions so I love hearing that that's something that you've prioritized in your career too and I also love this um you know obviously my podcast is about the home building industry uh and that we need women in all facets of the industry but there is this whole entire world of nonprofit construction that is just as important if not more especially when it comes to the aging in place type needs and remodels for disabilities like this is a huge a huge opportunity to give back to the community where these folks don't have unlimited resources 
right? It's, it's hard for me, right? Cause I come from new construction world where it's like these super expensive new homes and it feels like everybody's got money, but th- no, that's not real life, right? Like there's real life out there where people got hit with tragedy and illness and disabilities and they need support in, in making where they live now work. There's not yeah. an option to go buy and build new, right? Like they need support in that. So I love hearing that you've got experience in these different pockets as well with the remodeling, with the, with the aging in place. And, and um, obviously with encouraging people to join the trades in this capacity. So talk a little bit about She Built This City, where you're working now, what this organization does and what role you play within that organization. So She Built This City is a nonprofit that is specifically focused on getting women into the skilled trade industry. Um, They were originally founded in 2019, um, right before COVID hit. So it was, I think, November of 2019. So they've done a really phenomenal job being able to pivot and really get out there. So they start as young as seven with our youth programming all the way up until however old you want to be and apply for our pre-apprenticeship program. So we have our youth programming um, for elementary school, and we have that also in the middle school. We're rolling out um, a She Built the City Club within a couple of Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools, and same thing with, I believe it's We Built the City, and that is also going to be another program within CMS at the high school level. And then we are partnering with a local artist, Elizabeth Paul Mono. I'm going to mess up her last name. I can send you we it. We can so fix it correct. in the show notes if we need to. You're okay. We can fix it there. We'll yeah. give her credit. Uh, yes. Yeah, so she is working on a project. It's called A Seat at This Table, where women literally build their own seat to bring to the table. And it's for women that are girls from 14 to 18. And the chairs are actually going to be a part of a traveling exhibit, I believe, that goes through the U.S. It is so, so cool. And oh, my gosh. Really so wait, awesome wait, let's, let's, let's stay on that for a second, because I feel like you've got all this good information. And I, don't, <laughs> I, I didn't hear this before. This wasn't part of our pre-interview. So, <laughs> so your organization is getting getting girls in our local, just in case anybody doesn't know, Charlotte-Mecklenburg is our local school district for the city of Charlotte. That's who we work with. So you're coordinating with the schools and you're getting these ladies to build their own chairs. Yes. I believe like I'm building my seat at the table. I freaking love this, Abby. I love this. This is so amazing. I have to connect you with Alexia and have her come on as well. So she's our youth programming manager. Yes. Okay. Really has all the details on that. And that is like, her passion child is the youth programming side. So, yeah, so we will, well, I'll get her on and we'll dig into this, but I love that you shared that. What a great thing, because it, if we want more ladies to, to see themselves in this industry and to see themselves in skill trade, it really does have to start when you're younger. I heard a stat and I couldn't find it online to validate it, but somebody told me that of women that are in construction, like 80% of them were introduced to it by a family member. So it's not like, you know, little girls out there who are like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a vet. Well, nobody in my family is a doctor or a vet, but yet little girls still say that, right? Because they see themselves Mm -hmm. in that. But like, you don't see a lot of little girls seeing themselves in construction because their family isn't necessarily in it. And therefore it's, 
a boy's job, right? Like my little girls are eight and six and I take them to job sites all the time. We'll pull over. We'll look at houses. My daughter screamed out the window the other day. We were driving past a townhome neighborhood under construction. She goes, I see the firewall, mom. And I'm like, yes, you saw the purple firewall. That's so exciting. Like, but most eight-year-old girls are not thinking about firewalls when we're driving past townhomes under construction. That's a very rare thing. And so it's so important to just expose them to that when they're younger. And I don't care if my girls never get into construction. I just want them to know it's an option for them, right? Or to to understand that there's a whole big world out there of possibility. And I think that's what these great movements can do, but how powerful to physically have little girls build their seat at the table. Like that's powerful. That's going to be an amazing exhibit. Um, and I'm going to have to dig into that more with her, but I'll let you go on your journey. Let's keep talking about the work that you do, which is equally as important because this is actually teaching, like your role is actually teaching women how to develop the skilled trades, right? Yes. So this past spring, I taught the pre-apprenticeship program, which is a nine week tour of the trade program which throughout that nine weeks, we touch base on every step of the home building process, whether it's the basics of blueprints, OSHA, basic electrical, plumbing, carpentry skills. Um, And then also during that time, they're able to do a community project where they build a picnic table to donate to local organizations. So this past fall class, um, we donated some to the Lions Den Services right off of like Eastway. Um, a couple more went to, uh, it is up in Huntersville, something, Habitat's office is there, Dove, is it Dove's Nest? There's another. Dove House? I think so, maybe it's that so Dove one. House up in Statesville, but yeah, Huntersville has the Habitat House, yeah. Yeah, so um, we like to find different nonprofits to be able to connect our mission to, so. Awesome. That's really awesome. And then throughout that, they're also just exposed to whether it is HR coaching from people in the industry. We bring in presenters in the various skilled trades for them to connect with and learn from so they can really figure out what their pathway is. Because, I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, that they're like, oh, I want to be an electrician. And then you really figure out all the math that's required for electrical. And you're like, okay, maybe I just want to be a carpenter. Like (laughs) I don't want to know all this, but like I still love construction. So just exposing them to all the different avenues because they don't even know that some of these careers are a thing. So it's a nine week program. It's exposure at a high level to all the different facets. It sounds like it's a bit of classroom learning, a bit of like lecture and hands-on, right? They get to, you know, like you said, the first time you used a miter saw, like your life had changed. So they get to have this like life-changing moment of power tools and getting to, to, to feel that, which I have not yet used a power tool. I don't even know what that might unlock in me. So I don't know if we need to do that. I don't know if I need another project, but I think that that's incredible. You get all this different experience. Um, I'll let you continue if there's more to it, but I also want you to address the fact that like nine weeks is a long time. Is this paid? What kind of support do they have? Or is this just like they pay for it? Like, how does that work to get this nine week exposure? Yeah. So with the pre-apprenticeship class, it is a nine week class. It's three hours. Um, our next course will, our next cohort will be in January. So, uh, you could go on to she built the city. Dot org and there should be 
um, an info email on there and you can reach out to get more information on the class. Um, so we do go through and we interview all the students that apply and then go through and put them in our different locations. So this past time we've had four different um, locations so we could have a bigger reach throughout the Charlotte area. So we were in East Charlotte, Central to Uptown, and then West Charlotte. So Perfect. really just trying to make sure we have a good outreach. And then um, it is a paid program. We have morning and evening classes as well. And then specific locations, um, we provide free childcare as well. So in our evening classes at our Camp North End, we were able to provide childcare. So if they had a child between three and 13, I believe, they could bring them to the course as well. And we had a childcare provider there. So that way they could continue their education and know that their kid was safe as well or kids. That's awesome. And then no extra stress of having to find a babysitter, work on the schedule, pay for the babysitter. Like that can get really expensive. I found out that like up where I live, it's like $20 an hour for a babysitter. I'm like, that's a racket. I need to get a friend to watch my kids. <laughs> you know, I think that that can be a bear. Like these are really, truly barriers to people learning a new um, skill. And a lot of why people stay in maybe a role that they don't love like retail, right? Like you were in retail and it's like, okay, well, this is scary, but imagine also if you're like, I need to get education on this and I need to pay somebody to watch my kids so I can get education. Like it becomes this huge barrier to entry. So I love that your organization has taken that into consideration and kind of gone a step above. And I'm sure that people took advantage of it, right? It wasn't like an empty childcare room. I'm sure there were oh, no. there. yeah, <laughs> like lots of children. Straight chaos, right? Yeah. <laughs> which is awesome. And then after they do a pre-apprenticeship, which that's what you lead, right? The pre-apprenticeship. And also we have a two-year apprenticeship program as well. So um, students after the nine-week course um, can apply for our two-year apprenticeship program. And within that, um, they work with different employee partners, and then they also get hands-on training. We're working on neighborhoods in Pottstown, Smithsville, West Trinity, and I feel like I'm forgetting one but a lot of more up north area right now is okay. our main focus. And so we have eight women right now in that program that are, we have one that is about a year into our program, a couple that are six months into their program, and then a few that will be coming up on three months in December. So nice, really growing that out and just getting them all the hands-on experience physically on a job site. So whether it's teaching them how to install grab bars or install handicap ramps, easy transitions, um, minor electrical, plumbing, those types of things. Wonderful. And then they can take that and that's their resume builder, right? So mm -hmm. confidence builder and all those other things, but I'm sure to go, you know, apply at some of these uh, subcontractors, it's like, what's your experience? And that can yep. be a huge barrier to entry. But now they can say, I did this, you know, pre-apprenticeship. I did this two-year full apprenticeship. This is my experience. This is what I'm skilled at and help them get in the door. Do you guys help with job placement as well? Is that part of the program? Um, yes. So we do help with job placement as well. And that was one of my biggest focus is just because I've been pretty involved with different networking um, organizations here in Charlotte in the home builder industry and remodeling. Um, 
I've just really honed in on all the different connections that I have. And I said, hey, have you heard about She Built the City? I know you guys are hiring. Here's more information on them. Mm -hmm. And really just helping using my network to really build out um, more resources for them within the organization. And even whether it's um, a few of my students have taken them to different networking events so they could really see what it's like to be at one of the monthly dinner meetings or what it's like to be in these different big rooms or, you know, how to interact and how to really engage with others to really broaden your career. I love that. So it's like, it's, it's a big program. Like it's a big deal. You get lots of skill development, you get career coaching, it sounds like, and, and opportunities to kind of take them to that next level. That's phenomenal. And I'm sure for a lot of the folks coming into your program, like this is life-changing. Yeah. It's life-changing. It's giving them a career path and a future versus, you know, feeling stuck in retail or something like that, where sometimes it can feel really hard to create consistency for your family and those type of things where that's why I, what I love about you know, just the trades in general is it is such a like noble profession that just doesn't get enough credit. I think in, in some cases, mm-hmm. like I, I have a section of my neighborhood that's under construction and I walk every morning. And so I'm out there sometimes before the sun's up. And so are the guys, I say the guys, cause there's no ladies out there, but I say like the guys are out there. I'm always like, good morning. You're like, Oh, like talking to the guys, like having fun because like they're out there doing the hard work. Like I'd like to think like as a sale, like I sold houses, you know, it's like, Oh yeah, great. I sold this house, but I did zero work to actually make that house. Life. <laughs> like there are genuine people out there who are like, and they love, you can see that they love it. I mean, I think for you to get up early and grind, and obviously sometimes it's out of necessity here in North Carolina, because he wants to work at like two in the afternoon in North Carolina sun, but like to see them out there and they're laughing and they're joking and, you know, they got their music playing, like they're having a good time. They're moving their bodies. They're making things come to life. Like it's kind of incredible. And I think that there's this whole other world for ladies too. Now, obviously there's concerns, right? Like, so for you as a woman in construction, like, what were some of maybe like your concerns about being on job sites? Or do you feel like because you were in the nonprofit space, you always maybe had a more diverse group of coworkers on these sites? Or did you still feel like you were one of few ladies? I definitely felt like I was one of few ladies. But I think, again, having especially my like my year of new home at Habitat, I think gave me the most confidence because a lot of the work, whether it was framing the house, reading the blueprints, laying the house out, like really understanding where the electrical, where the plumbing goes, reading cabinet plans, and having to know every detail of the house, and then going to the for-profit world and working with a lot of people that have never actually built a house, that were retired military or factory workers, and their project managers too, but like they had a supervisor role in completely different field, but like they really have no general understanding or like they understand how to build a house, but like when it comes to like the framing and stuff like that, they're like, well, like this looks right, but like, well, why, why does it look right? Is it project management is a very broad term. So for anybody listening in home building world, we call 
you know, the, the people overseeing the build of the home, we call them project managers or construction managers, but project management can be financial project management. It can be supply chain project management. Like there's a lot of things that project management falls into. And you do, you see a lot of generalized project managers come into home building project management, but they don't have that construction knowledge base is what you're saying, where you felt like maybe you had an upper hand because you had that habitat experience. Like you yeah. knew what a frame check was supposed to be because you actually framed houses. <laughs> yeah. And I wasn't just calling in an inspection and then the inspector is failing it because you didn't actually check yeah. your punch list or your framer said something was correct. But then you're looking at the plans and you're like, well, no, the plan says this. So it just really was good to have that understanding and really just gave me a little bit more confidence when I was typically the only woman in the room. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. A little swagger, a little, little pep in your <laughs> Love it. I love it. So if you could like, if you were on a stage and you're talking to all of these like ladies, young and old who are maybe just curious about getting into construction, what advice would you give to them? I would say no matter if you think that you're interested in something, always be an active listener, like always listen to if someone invites you to go to a guest speaker and it's about nuclear power, go, you might find something really interested, but if an opportunity is put in front of you, like take it, like, doesn't mean you have to uproot your whole entire life or anything like that. But if they're saying, Hey, come to this meeting or come to this always make sure that you are taking those opportunities and really building out your network. So even when you don't see something for yourself, your network is going to tell you, Abby, you would be really great at this. And you're like, really? I never thought of this, or I never even knew this was a thing. So I just think that it's just really be intentional and really just build those relationships and make sure that you're connecting with those who with you. Yeah. So be a little curious, right? If something piques your interest, explore it. It doesn't mean you have to quit your job and go full-time. Well, even if you're not, like, even if you're not curious about it, I would just say like, you know, like if you're thinking about an industry, I guess you're slightly curious, but just go, go for it. If someone says, Hey, do this yoga class. You're like, I would never do yoga, you know, step out of your comfort zone and just do it. You know, you never know where it's you. I love that. Yeah. All right. Maybe I need to get a power tool. Maybe I need to go try to build something now. So how can people volunteer at Habitat? We'll get you out on a job site. What'd you say? When you come out to Habitat, we'll get you out on a I job site. I would love to. Seriously, Abby, I would love to. I was just actually, that's funny. I was just thinking that this morning when I was doing my walk. I'm like, maybe we should go volunteer for Habitat for a day. I think for me, and this is always interesting, right? Because I'm probably like the opposite side of the spectrum. I'm not a very handy person. I'm creative. So maybe it's something that I would like tap into, whatever. But I was thinking, I'm like, you know, I've always thought it's interesting. So a little curiosity there. I know how houses are built because I've seen them for like, the last 18 years. I know the phases of construction. I know how to read blueprints and site plans. I've just never actually built anything physically with my hands. And this morning I was like, maybe I should volunteer for Habitat and just see what it's like. So hook me up with that. Um, I will. Anybody listening, hold me accountable to it. Ask me, hey, Abby, when are you going to Habitat? Because <laughs> I need an accountability partner for this too. Because it is, it's something stepping outside of my comfort zone, right? I'm very much on like the operational side of things. I feel very comfortable in a, in a finished model home. Not so much, you know, I do like going through homes under construction, but I don't know, I don't know what to do manually. I know what to do, like knowledge-based, if that makes sense. So 
Yeah, that would be really cool, Abby. Get me out there and then then do a little episode on what I learned about actually physically building. But I do think it's just, there's just so many possibilities for people out there. And that's why I love this conversation. That's why I'm so passionate about women in the industry as a whole. Obviously, women leaders is a huge thing for me, but we need more women in construction. We're having a huge generational shift. We're going to be losing a lot of... um, institutional knowledge as the the trade force retires and we need more people joining and i think the work that you know she built the city's doing and other companies around the nation are trying to get youth involved trying to get women involved trying to get people who don't typically see themselves in construction maybe a little curious maybe a little interested and a little trained up to build that confidence cuz like you said that year at habitat that built confidence for you to go into a different path and explore something further. So I love this concept of like exploring curiosity, stepping outside of your comfort zone and knowing that you don't necessarily need to see yourself in a role to go for it. You just need to be interested in the role to go for it, which is kind of what you're saying your path was like, which I love. So how can people get involved? How can they, if they're local and they want to support She Built This City, what can they do or what could they do even from afar? Again, I would say go on to shebuiltthecity.org's website and we have a tab where they can sign up for our volunteer opportunities. Um, Our biggest thing, we do a lot of youth programming and prepping all of our stuff for all of that, which is really great. So our build-alongs for all the summer camps, the youth programs, um, we do stuff within um, libraries, um, parks and rec, Um, a lot of different community partners, especially with our youth programming. And then we also have, if they would like to donate, they can support the programs that way. Um, And then also feel free to connect with me or She Built the City on LinkedIn. We always need specifically women guest speakers to come in, whether it's for a pre-apprenticeship or apprenticeship um, to come in and just give women more exposure to all the different opportunities and careers that are out there. Wonderful. I actually have somebody in mind. So when we're done recording, I'll, uh, I'll get you her contact information. I think she'd be a great guest speaker for you guys. Anything else that you want to leave us with about women in construction and why you're passionate about it and just final thoughts for anybody tuning in? Yeah, I would say to anyone tuning in, at least pick up a hammer, a drill. The biggest thing that I honestly love about construction is One, it's going to save you money down the road. You're not going to call a handyman to fix your leaking pipe or your toilet or your shower head. Or, you know, once you learn, I've had so many people, especially at Habitat, they're like, I'm going to put new floors in now, now that I know how to do flooring. Mm -hmm. Or they're like, I hate the color of my siding. This is how you do siding. We're going to do this next year. So like to see them not only leave knowing that they help someone else, but they also have skills that you could never take away from them. And I think that is just something completely valuable that everyone should be able to be. It's just giving so many people more tools to be self-sufficient and to be able to really be able to just depend on themselves. And I love that. I love it. Yeah, I am not self-sufficient. 
I'm going to be texting you and be like, yeah, my toilet's making a noise. Abby, what do I do? And I'll let you coach <laughs> me through it. Or I'll, I'll go to the old trusty YouTube, which has been a great friend to many people um, when okay. it comes to developing some skills. But thank you, Abby, so much for your time today. Guys, I am going to put all of her contact information, all the great stuff that she shared in the show notes below. So you can feel free to click on there, connect with Abby. LinkedIn, is that a good place if they want to reach out to you? Yes, absolutely. Abby Ring. And and then again, go to shebuiltthiscity.org to learn more about how you can support that great organization um, and get involved. And if you aren't local, you can still get involved. I'm sure you have a similar organization in your state. And if you don't, maybe you could help create one, which would be huge too. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. Bye for now. Thank you, Abby. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Rise and Shine. We hope you're leaving today's conversation feeling inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to make a meaningful impact in your career and life. Remember, your journey is unique and every step you take brings you closer to your goals. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a moment of empowerment and share with a friend, somebody who you think may benefit from this episode too. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, insights, and even topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes episodes by connecting with us on social media or leaving a review. Your feedback helps us tailor Rise and Shine to meet your unique needs. Until next time, keep rising, keep shining, and keep making your mark in the world of home building.